Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. Thursday marked opening day for Major League Baseball, and with that, we're taking a look at the return of sports. The grass in the outfield is mowed, the infield is groomed, baseball season is back. This year, those things mean a bit more because in 2020, the sports world and everything else was turned upside down by the COVID-19 pandemic. Sports is big money. In Tucson, the Kino Sports Complex is one of the premier places to play. It's home to baseball tournaments, soccer tournaments, and don't forget pickleball. But Rini Ochoa, the director of the complex, says a year ago the newly renovated facilities emptied almost overnight. It changed activity drastically. We had the Fort Lowe shootout in January, middle of January, and by the middle of March we were basically shut down. We had a number of big events, small events, all sorts of local and out-of-state events. And needless to say, that put the brakes on, on everything there. It wasn't just the South Complex, it was the entire complex. Um, We had international teams for the World Baseball Classic in the baseball stadium practicing that all of a sudden got sent home. It was a huge hit to everything that goes on here with the exception of our day-to-day operations. We still have to keep the grass watered and, you know, make sure the plumbing is still working and everything like that. And just in case people have forgotten, because we've all been inside and not been allowed outside (laughs) to play in large groups for a year, what were the changes in addition to the what is now the Kino Sports Complex that started just as the stadium? With regard to the facilities on the South Complex, there were 12 brand new full size uh, lighted soccer fields, all grass turf. And then there were 20 brand new pickleball courts. Um, I am happy to say that pickleball, if you're not familiar with it, it's kind of a cross between tennis and badminton played on a court that's smaller than a tennis court with harder than a wiffle ball and wood or plastic paddles. They survived the pandemic because of the social distancing, because of the outdoor nature of pickleball with real strict COVID rules, with distancing and mask wearing and, you know, no spectators, but they have been out there through thick and thin since we opened. Have there been any games or practices uh, on the soccer fields, Uh, obviously not in the baseball stadium, but through the pandemic, or was that just all shut down? So in the middle of March, everything came to a screeching halt except pickleball. Um, In June, we reopened to limited activity. Uh, We did some leagues, uh, local leagues here. We had um, a few very small um, games and events on track that we slowly started to bring people back in. Still no spectators, very limited amount of um, players on the field. Um, And as we went through the early fall, things were looking really good. Then in November, they didn't. (laughs) And so we got completely shut down again. Uh, and we were shut down until three weeks ago. So it's been a real roller coaster of open, closed, open, closed. And um, But we're open now, and things are slowly gaining steam, and we're looking forward to a, a busy spring and, and rest of the 2021 year. What does that do to the, the finances for the Kino Sports Complex with all this open, close, open, close, and, and limited availability? 
it's it's a huge impact because we rely on facility rentals um, for the space that we have, as well as for big events, concessions, revenue, and ticket sales, et cetera. So um, we went from the year before having a revenue of 2.5 million to so far through February this year, we're only at about 750,000. We're talking with Rini Ochoa. She's the director of the Kino Sports Complex. So you said things are looking up for the rest of this year and moving into 2022. What are some of the things that are on the calendar and, and coming? Right now, we have our summer baseball league, our Kino Summer Baseball League, and our Sunbelt College League that are all set to start play in June. They will have limited spectators, depending on if they're playing in the baseball stadium or one of the adjacent fields. Um, the FC Tucson USL soccer season has their home opener on May 8th, and they'll have fans allowed. We're still waiting to see how many because as each week progresses and the numbers look good, we can you know, start to request additional people um, in the facility. We did hear from two of our annual events. One is the Mexican Baseball Fiesta recently. They're slated to come back the first weekend in October. And then the Centurions, who are usually here at this time of the year, they reschedule to October. So um, they're looking forward to things being pretty much back to normal by, by that time so they can have their events. In the short term, for people coming in for some of the things maybe in May or, or sooner, what are some of the mitigation practices, protocols that are in place that teams can expect, but also those of us who just want to come out and watch, what can we expect? So being a county-owned and operated facility, we still have mask requirements. The players are allowed to remove their mask when they're on the field playing. We request them when they're on the sidelines or the dugouts to keep them on for their own health and safety. Now that we've allowed spectators in, um, we have seating pods marked. Some of them are boxes on the grass for people to sit in at two to a pod right now. If you're in a stadium, then we have the seats marked off where you can sit and where you can't sit. A practicality question. Kino has been the big vaccination site for the county, the big testing site. There's talk about putting the FEMA site uh, out there. That takes up a lot of parking spaces. Uh, on a practical standpoint, how does all of that work with the hoped continued operations and expanding operations of the Kino Sports Complex? So fortunately, we have a lot of parking out here. And yes, the vaccine um, drive-through site does take up a great deal of, of space and logistics. And it's, it's actually been wonderful exposure for the facility from people who may not have known that we were here. And we don't have any super big events um, on the near horizon that we aren't able to accommodate with everything that's going on. That was Rini Ochoa, the director of the Kino Sports Complex. Those fields are not the only sports venues in the area, and helping book tournaments and events into all of those places is Visit Tucson. Dan Gibson is the group's senior director of communications, and he says getting hotel rooms and arenas filled during the pandemic meant a change in Visit Tucson's pitch. When you think of sporting events, you know, like an NCAA tournament or a Super Bowl, obviously those are these like mega events that fill an entire city's worth of hotel rooms. 
But there are also events that happen any given week that can fill 100 hotel rooms here or 1,000 hotel rooms there. Bigger events that Tucson has had, like Major League Soccer's preseason. So, you know, that's something we're working on all the time, whether that's youth sports, whether that's larger um, adult events. If it puts people in hotel rooms, we're willing to do it, really. And sports is no exception. It's a really big part of what Visit Tucson does. We're out there pitching lacrosse tournaments. We're out there pitching field hockey. There's events that are happening all the time that just may not hit the sort of headline, uh, like the sort of main headlines of when people talk about Tucson, but they just bring in a lot of money. I mean, it was, I think it was the fiscal year prior to, you know, the last full one before the pandemic was $24 million of economic impact just from sporting events. You mentioned youth sports, and maybe people don't think about that necessarily as a draw. I'd forgotten, to be honest, about the World Baseball Classic that got canceled. Or maybe people coming in to see a Roadrunners game, the visiting team, or things like that. But we've always had the soccer shootout, which is youth sports and all kinds of things like that. And people travel and bring the whole family. So you might need two rooms for a family, depending on how old the kids are and how big the family is. Well, it's also an opportunity to introduce people to the city. I hear about it all the time, where you're talking to somebody and they're like, oh, I came here for the Tucson Associated Realtor shootout. And then we brought our family back because we had such a great time. We really are just trying to get our name out there in a lot of ways. People have these sort of infinite number of choices and you have to really make an appeal of like, why Tucson, why now? There's a lot of the time of the year where Tucson is among the most appealing places to be in the country and nice green fields and and big sunny skies uh, mean a lot to people. And even though those of us who have been here a while remember spring training leaving and everybody saying, oh, that's such a big financial hit, it sounds like with all the other events that we can now do because spring training is gone, it might actually be financially better, just not one in, in one giant slug, it just spread out a little more over the spring. I, I think we would obviously welcome any, uh, any major league team that wants to drop tons of money into this market, by all means. It's just a challenge. It's a very difficult business to keep up with you always want to chase these big events. And the World Baseball Classic was a really good fit of that. It was, you know, over a month, it brought in a ton of people, and you were hoping that it gave us an opportunity to talk about it in a uh, in a way that tourists might want to come here to see those games, right? That's the sort of perfect storm of what you're looking for. Uh, the Arizona Bowl is a good example of that, right? Like the Arizona Bowl not just brings the teams and their coaches and their bands and their cheerleaders, but they also gives us an opportunity to sell Tucson to someone from a school in Nevada to say like, oh, you should come check it out. It's really nice here. Not to mention when that game's on TV and someone's sitting in Ohio under a foot of snow and it's 70 degrees in Tucson. That's a great selling point too. It absolutely is, right? As we're coming out of the pandemic, we're seeing leisure travel return now, right? People are starting to travel. They feel more comfortable than they've been vaccinated. The groups are the challenges, right? Like those are what's going to lag behind. So as as we rebuild, as the tourism industry, this multi-billion dollar industry for Southern Arizona starts to come back, we're still going to have a little bit of a trouble. It is still this waiting game of when people feel secure to have a large event. If we were pitching a youth volleyball tournament, right, that's going to be at the TCC and fill a bunch of spaces, that's a little bit more challenging, right? Because you're talking about young people who may not have been vaccinated in an enclosed space. Major League Soccer, a little bit easier, right? Because it's outside. They're not allowing as many fans in. It is not quite the same full-scale event that it 
was two years ago. When it comes to the average person uh, who's who's going to come to Tucson for a sporting event, is there a difference on how long they stay if it's for a youth event versus a pro event or a big college event like the Arizona Bowl? That's interesting. Um, yes and no. It is part of the math of how you think about these things. It really is like the more room nights you can attach to it, whether that's uh, a lot of people <laughs> staying for a short amount of time or a uh, medium amount of people staying a long amount of time. There's a calculator to it. What is the economic impact? How will this thing come together? What sort of hotels are they staying in? What time of year is it happening? And something like Tucson Invitational Games is sneaky in that way, where you're like, oh my goodness, that's a lot of room nights. I mean, they're, they're counting them in tens of thousands and not hundreds. It's a complicated math of what will expose people to Tucson, what will get them to stay, and to try to find a thing that fits when Tucson isn't as busy. You know, we're always looking for things that happen in the fall. The rooms are less full than, say, February. You have a sporting event that's happening during gem show. It's not so likely that we're going to be able to help you. But if you're looking in late September, when it's still pretty lovely here, visit Tucson's and Tucson sports are like, okay, well, how can we make this happen for you? Well, thanks for sitting down with us and spending some time. Yeah, my pleasure. Always happy to talk about this stuff. That was Dan Gibson from Visit Tucson. This week, we're looking at how the last year has impacted sports and what's to come with the slow return of fans. A growing number of fans are being allowed back into the Tucson Convention Center to see the Tucson Roadrunners, the area's professional hockey team. Roadrunner Tyler Steenburgen is excited to have fans in the stands again. He says playing in front of empty seats reminded him of when he first took to the ice. We're used to the loud crowds anywhere we play. So, I mean, it kind of felt like back in the day when you're playing minor hockey at a young age, and everyone's parents are there. So it was definitely, uh, I mean, it's different, especially with all the fake noise. You know, it, it's not really the same. It's off a little bit. I was going to ask about the fake noise. I'm a hockey fan, you know, watching the Stanley Cup last year and the playoffs in the bubbles. The NHL had the fake noise going. It wasn't too bad on TV, but what was it like as a player playing with fake noise? I think it's just a little bit off, you know, like you make a nice, good little scoring chance or something, and then it's off about three seconds, and then you hear it. So, you know, it's it's always good for the people watching to hear that, but, you know, during the game, is is quite uh, funny sometimes. Yeah, I noticed sometimes it was a little off uh, in watching games. Now that fans are back, and granted, the TCC is not packed, uh, but there are fans there. Does it help get you up for games? And as you said, you know, you're, you're screaming down the ice on that scoring chance. Does it help? Oh, absolutely. You know, obviously, as players, especially at home, you feed off the fans. So I think that's one advantage for us right now. I think we're the only team in our division that uh, actually has fans. So, I mean, I think uh, we use it to our advantage. Obviously, it's, it's super nice to hear some uh, real voices and not just the fake noise. But you know, uh, you know, when you're getting a good scoring chance, you can definitely, uh, it's definitely louder still with the minimum amount of fans we have than, than the noise was. So it's pretty great to have them back. I'd imagine, uh, of course, as you mentioned, you know, the scoring chances are great because the crowd gets going, but I'd imagine also it's good when things are, aren't going quite the way you'd hoped, you know, the crowd can bring it back for you a little bit. We know when we, we can do stuff a little bit better. So you know, obviously, when the fans are getting on us a little bit about that, it's it's a little bit of uh, 
a kick in the butt. But, you know, I think at the same time, we use it as motivation. If we're hearing that they're not really liking our gameplay too well, then obviously we're doing something wrong. And kicking it into high gear, it's it's a lot better. Some of the arenas uh, across the country have, have used the cardboard cutouts, and some of them have been really amusing. Did that help at all? Or was it just more background as you're flying down the ice <laughs> yeah i don't think we we really noticed those too much it was more in practice when we'd be waiting for a drill and then we'd see some of the guys on our team's faces you know it's, it's just a little bit of a laugh like that what has it been like playing i mean you all have covid protocols you have to deal with so as a player what's it been like just dealing with all this covid stuff i mean it's it's how life is right now so the start was a bit different, you know, obviously it's just repetition. Now you just go about your business, wearing your mask, doing your, your COVID testing in the mornings and, and whatnot. Uh, obviously it'd be nice not to have any of that stuff, but that's not the case. So uh, we're pretty grateful to be playing hockey at this point. When the season ended last year, kind of suddenly, what happened? I mean, did, did you guys lose paychecks? I'm sure you talked to your teammates and other guys you've played with. It was a bit chaotic. I mean, to finish the year like that, uh, yeah, we all got our paychecks. So that was, that was great to finish off the year. It was about a year, just over a year ago now to the day that, uh, we all had to kind of pack up and leave. So, I mean, it was, it was just chaos at the time, you know, driving back home for me is a 26 hour drive and getting back to Canada. They had the two week quarantine. So, I mean, that was a bit of a pain. But you guys got to spend some time, even though you didn't get started up, you guys got to spend some time up in the uh, NHL playoff bubble, right? So you were able to work out a little and skate some? Yeah, a couple guys went. Uh, I wasn't one of them, but there was a couple guys on the team that went. So they were they were skating down here, and, and then they went up to the bubble in Edmonton. So, I mean, those guys uh, got an advantage that way. But, you know, for me, we I had ice all summer, so it was, it was still great. That was Tyler Steenbergen, a player with the Tucson Roadrunners. Major League Spring training in the Metro Phoenix area, known across the country as the Cactus League, usually brings in big crowds and big money from locals and tourists. Anthony Evans is a researcher at the Seedman Research Institute at ASU's W.P. Carey School of Business. He led a team that compared the economic impact of visitors attending spring training in 2018 to last year's COVID-shortened spring training. He says spring training has a statewide financial impact that touches many parts of the economy. On an average season, you could have around 1.6, 1.7 million ticket sales for the games alone. This obviously scattered around 10 different venues in the Metro Phoenix area. And what that means is that you know there's a large chunk of uh, dollars flowing into accommodation, food services, retail, uh, people actually traveling to other parts of the state. All these things add up, and it's an incredible amount of money that comes in on an annual basis. The state as a whole has always really pushed uh, uh, quite aggressively to get hold of what they called sig signature events, things like the Super Bowl, um, maybe the Final Four. But the reality is Cactus League brings in a tremendous amount of money every year. I know you looked at the 2018 uh, spring training season, the last uh, one of the last normal years that we have. How much money does spring training bring in, especially in 2018, uh, to the Arizona economy? Well, we, we normally talk about things in terms of contribution to GDP, gross domestic product. 
And in 2018, we were looking at $373 million brought in. Now, our numbers are conservative. We only look at people who are arriving from outside the state. We're only looking at some media expenditure, not all media expenditure, because that can be quite difficult to track. And we look then a little bit about the visiting MLB teams. Obviously, we exclude the D-backs because they're, they're based here, so we don't look at their expenditure. And of course, all those people coming in, they spend money on hotels and food and rental cars, and not to mention the T-shirts and all of that. I may have. Let me see if I can get you some of the figures for, for 2020. You know, we're talking of, of around 50 to 60 million uh, investment in, in accommodation, in influx of new dollars. The same into bars and restaurants. Bars and restaurants account for around a third of the visiting fan expenditures. These purely numbers I'm talking about here for fans, I'm excluding, you know, all the entourage with the media and, and the clubs themselves. But we're talking a really, really large numbers. There's an element spent on rental cars. Obviously, then that goes into gasoline. And as I say, you know, the souvenirs, the gifts, it's not only at the venues themselves, there's expenditures outside the venues. Now, of course, 2020 was a different year because right as spring training was getting going, right at this point a year ago, everything shut down. So what did 2020 look like? 2020, um, we we only managed to play, I think it was 139 games in total. What we were looking at then for a GDP contribution was around $213 million dollars. So compare that to 2018, you know, we're down by about $160 million. But that being said, you have to think about the distribution of those games, the timing of those games. We're talking of around 50 to 60% of people who come to spring training arrive from outside the state. The timings of their spring breaks are very different to ours. And when we when we compared what had gone on with the 139 games in 2020 with the same 139, first 139 games in 2018, you're only talking of about a half a percent down in terms of visitors and anything from 0.2 to 1% down in total impact. I think the 2020 numbers without the um, arrival of the pandemic would have generated around the same numbers as 2018. And that's accounting for differences in the value of the dollar between the two years as well. Arizona has a lot of things to do other than baseball. Do the visitors, the out-of-state visitors, when they're here, do they also, for example, go up to the Grand Canyon or spend time at museums in the, the Metro Phoenix area, since that's where the games are? Or maybe they go south down to Tombstone. Or are these visitors purely here for spring training, they go to the games, and that's it? No, definitely not. They, they, they travel around. You know, you'd be amazed. I think in 2020, around, uh, I think it was 29% of the people that we surveyed had come from California. But then, you know, there's an awful lot of people that are coming from other the states, Chicago, Cubs. They obviously bring an awful lot of people in here. They travel around. They add on an extra couple of days either at the start or at the end of their, their trip. They come down, they spend a good two weeks here. And it's not simply spring training. They go to the local museums. They will travel out somewhere within the state. Can any of this be pushed forward to other sports? For example, uh, hockey is back and Arizona has an NHL team and minor league teams, which are obviously playing 
teams from out of state. But can any of these things we've learned about spring training translate to other sports? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. We've done similar studies for Super Bowl final for Sun Devil football, the D-backs. You know, we've looked around. We we did the uh, NASCAR as well. There is a definite um, opportunity for Arizona to make money. And you have to think it's not simply about the bottom line here. It, it's the imagery. You sat at home in the cold in the Northeast and you suddenly see this glorious game going on, you know, sp- spring sunshine, people in short sleeves and shorts. And that, that will have an impact at other times of the year, people coming up, coming along, you know, to come and visit the place. So I think it is important. It will vary upon the nature of the sport. So if things don't go back to normal, as everybody is hoping, uh, for next spring training, 2022, what could the potential impact be of a shortened 2020, a a lower attendance 2021, and then potentially, if things don't get back to normal, a lower attendance 2022 on the overall economy of all of this? I think, you know, the better way to look at that would be to say, what would happen if everything does revert to normal? What would the demand be like then for these tickets? Because I think you'll find that um, some of the um, smaller venues within the Cactus League, even they will be facing, uh, looking forward to sell out crowds. We're not just talking about, you know, the Cubbies filling their ground. But we'll see We'll see other places really full. Diablo will be full. I have no doubt places like Surprise will, will benefit from it as well. That was Anthony Evans, a researcher at Arizona State University. The numbers for spring training this year are still being tallied. Despite the return of some fans, all sports are facing a tough financial road again this year. Professional hockey and basketball are making their playoff runs now in front of limited fans. Baseball is opening with restrictions on fan numbers. And even if the ballpark was wide open, all the seats might not be filled. A poll out this week from the Washington Post and the University of Maryland says less than half, 42% of Americans, are comfortable with the idea of going to a live ticketed sporting event. 40% are not, and 18% aren't sure. That's the buzz for this week. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR One app. Ariana Brocious is the show's producer and editor. And this week, we say goodbye. Thanks for all the hard work and good luck on your next endeavor. Along with Ariana, this week's show was produced and edited by Emma Gibson. Vanessa Ontiveros is our production assistant. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. Duncan Moon is the interim news director. Our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.